Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 13. Today I'm speaking with Ethan Agarwal, the founder and CEO of Aptiv. We discussed Aptiv's grow at all cost strategy and its recent pivot to a more sustainable growth strategy. Enjoy. I'm here with Ethan Agarwal, the founder and CEO of Aptiv, an audio based fitness app company for iOS and Android. They have uh, developed quite a popular app with over uh, two or nearly 200,000 paying customers currently. Um, and they have done it at a breakneck speed by doing by following a growth at all costs um, me- uh, method, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about today and whether or not that is the appropriate method, you know, once you kind of have developed a, an audience base. So, Ethan, thanks for uh, being on the episode with me. Thanks for having me. So I know you've probably done this, this sales pitch right here about, you know, what is Aptiv and why you started it many times at this point. But if you could just give us a kind of a quick uh, overview of what Aptiv is and, and, and uh, why, you know, what the reason why you decided to, to build this company. Sure. Uh, so uh, thanks for having me. Um, Aptiv is a on-demand audio fitness company. And so uh, we create and stream uh, really high quality audio fitness workouts. Uh, We have world-class trainers who uh, develop workouts across 26 different categories of workouts. Uh, They provide music, motivation, instruction, and our subscribers pay uh, either $15 a month or $100 a year for unlimited on-demand access to our, you know, thousands of workouts that we have now. So the most similar um, uh, companies or products that most people are familiar with would be something like Netflix, where, uh, you know, you pay a a fixed monthly price and you get uh, unlimited on-demand access to a large content library. Um, That's what we do in the fitness space. Right. So, and, 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 and what was what was it that led you to you know to want to build an an audio based uh, fitness app? Because oftentimes, you know, we've we've seen uh, you know instructional even YouTube. You know, you, there are YouTubers out there who create these instructional videos that people follow. Um, you know, to work out, or you know, there's 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 always been that video aspect. What why just audio? You know, what what was what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, great question. So I started the company about three years ago out of a personal need, which is that um, I had put on a lot of weight uh, in grad school. And at the time, I was a consultant. I was traveling four days a week, and I was looking for uh, a trainer. And trying to find a trainer in a city that you're traveling to is really challenging. Um, And even trying to find a trainer while I was home in New York meant, you know, booking a class ahead of time or meeting someone at a predetermined location in time, you know, high-end classes sell out often. Um, It was just a logistical nightmare, frankly. And so I I realized that the best solution for me would be digital. Uh, And, you know, thankfully there were a number of digital products available, digital fitness products available. Um, But to your point, uh, the problem with all of them is that they all focused on video. And I, so I'm a runner. I live in I live uh, here in New York in, in Chelsea, and I run down the West Side Highway. And as a runner, you know, I can't run down the street while staring at a video on my phone, right? That doesn't right, make any sense. That's not very safe. <laughs> not 
exactly. It's not safe. It's a terrible user experience. And you know, if you think about it, there's basically no workout that humans are meant to do where you stare at a four-inch screen for 45 minutes while trying to move, right? That, that's, that's a bad workout. And I realized, you know, I, I started doing some work into the market. Um, and you look at the, the, you know, if you look at sort of the stuff that you and I and a lot of other people read in terms of uh, news publications, you would think that, um, uh, you know, uh, workouts like SoulCycle or CrossFit or Peloton or whatever would be the most popular workouts in the country. They're, they're really not. I mean, the, <laughs> the companies that I name you know, and, and other workouts like them have a couple hundred thousand subscribers. There's 40 million Americans who run, right? So if, if I'm trying to build um, a company that helps as many people as possible, I can't do that while ignoring, uh, you know, the largest market in the uh, industry that I'm in, which happens to be runners. Mm -hmm. And any video-based product is based like YouTube or any of the other digital video products are basically ignoring this huge uh, uh, set of users, uh, which is runners. So that's where we realized that audio was gonna be a lot more powerful. Gotcha, that makes sense to me. So uh, it obviously also made sense to some investors. You've raised almost $40 million uh, and have built a product that, as I mentioned before, has nearly uh, 200,000 paying customers. I, I would love to talk about, if you could kind of walk me through your grow at all costs approach that you took to get to that point? Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, initially uh, it was really important to explain to the user why audio was better, what what the mm -hmm. difference was the product that we were, uh, that we had created relative to the other products that were out there in the market. And so um, using paid acquisition um, allowed us to um, tell that story in a way that we felt comfortable, uh, in a way that you know we controlled the narrative, and so uh, th that was number one. So we felt like a, a paid acquisition would be a good channel for that. Number two is um, we still believe that uh, the more users, and this is true as a, as a matter of fact, that the more folks that are using the product, the better it gets, right? Because we're able to improve the product based on usage, based on demographic information, based on data, et cetera. So there's a material benefit scale um, as fast as possible because that in turn improves the user experience, which then results in further growth. So that was the other consideration. Now, I will say um, uh, we, we followed that sort of growth at all cost strategy for about the first two years of the company's life. And I think that was the right thing for us to do. And since then, we've evolved now into what we consider sustainable growth. So we're still growing very quickly, um, but uh, we're growing in a, you know, we're, we've reached a sort of level of maturity in the business now where we need to uh, ensure that we're growing in a sustainable, responsible manner and not just, you know, burning money like crazy uh, to grow as fast as possible because we've basically proven out the first part of the thesis which is that we've reached a scale now where we're gathering so much data that we're able to improve the product experience right so 
So obviously, you alluded to before that there are, there are around forty million runners in the United States. Uh, you know, people who are you know, I guess to uh, classify themselves as runners who run frequently or, or at least often. Um, is this you know, uh, is this a is this a market that uh, that you that you think ha you know has more room to be to to kind of tap into? Where I mean, you have you have nearly two hundred thousand people using the product right now, but obviously they're not all runners. A lot of them, I would assume, are also using it for uh, other types of um, you know cardio or strength training or what have you. Um, it, it, you know, it, I guess I guess what I'm getting at is is this is this something that's popular amongst runners? Like, uh, you know, is, is is it maybe one of your biggest um, kind of groups of people who use the product or? Yeah, so running is our most popular category. It's it's funny we have, you know, we started with running. We started with treadmill, elliptical, and outdoor, just three categories. And today we're sitting at twenty six categories, but still, running is our most popular workout. In fact, outdoor running. So treadmill is our most popular workout. The second most popular is strength training, which is body weight workouts. And then the third most popular is outdoor running. So two of the top three workouts are still outdoor running, even are still running, even though we have, you know, 26 categories now. Wow. OK, so 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 definitely running is 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 a market where, you know, there's absolute growth um, considering the market size. You, you still have a lot. You still have a lot of people that you could get into. Uh, the active app using it for running. Exactly. And you know, the, the other thing that's important is um, uh, a lot of uh, other products that are out there that focus on one kind of workout um, are typically only helpful during one season. So for example, there's a lot of products that focus on outdoor running, right? But in the winter, when outdoor running basically disappears as an activity and everyone runs indoors, uh, those products aren't really helpful. Um, or the flip side is, uh, you know, if you're injured, uh, how do you, what are you going to do with a running product, right? You're going to have to sign up for something else that helps you with stretching. Or if you decide to take up spinning and you have a running product, you're going to have to sign up for a separate spinning product, right? So it, it, the, the parallel is if you look at like Netflix, right, you wouldn't have one subscription for comedy, one subscription for drama, one subscription for movies. You get all of it from Netflix or similarly you wouldn't have one subscription for hip hop, one subscription for rock, and another one for classical music. You get it all from Spotify. So today, um, in fitness, I think people are unfortunately uh, having to sign up for, you know, I have a running thing, and then I have a meditation one, and then I have a spinning one. Right, right, um, right. In 18 months, that's going to sound ridiculous that we ever did that. <laughs> uh, we're going to be getting all of our content from one place, and we are... The company that's best positioned to do that. Gotcha. That I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you break it down in that in that way, there's no reason why you know you should you should kind of split up your pay or have to, as a customer have to split up your payments across that many different uh, you know platforms just to kind of get your exercise needs uh, taken care of. It, it really doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I want to jump back a little bit to, uh, to talking more about funding and 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 the way you were growing the company. Um, you had somewhat of a wake up call, I believe. You know when you realized you had burned around two point four million dollars in a single month, and at that point, I believe you're also looking. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're also looking to raise some additional some additional funding, and you were having trouble getting VCs on board. 
Um, just from a personal kind of perspective, how, how did you feel at that point before you kind like before you said, all right, we have to fix this and came up with a plan? Like, wh- what were you feeling? You know, because I know a lot of founders, including myself, it's an, up, it's an up and down roller coaster that you're constantly going through. And yes, there's always that story on the other side where you can come out of it and you came up with that plan. But prior to that, what, what, were, what were your feelings personally? And like, how, how did you and then how did you then approach um, coming up with a plan to, 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 to resolve this? Uh, yeah, so, you know, it was interesting because we had grown a lot um, and we were testing out a strategy of what happens if we continue to execute on this high growth, high burn uh, formula. And, you know, if you, we looked at the market and we saw other companies that were following similar formulas, um, you know, consumer subscription businesses just like us. And so we said, uh, you know, if other guys are doing it, we should try it too. And as I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of benefits to reaching scale quickly. So that formula worked because we were growing, you know, 30% month over month. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was interesting is we realized that the, um, the challenge of burning a lot of money is that you inevitably need to then raise a lot of money. And when you raise a lot of money, you are basically giving up control of your business. Right. And I and, my, and the team here have a very specific view on product. We have a very specific view on what this experience should be. Because at the end of the day, a product is a perspective. And we have a very specific perspective on what a fitness and audio experience should be. And we didn't want to lose our ability to influence um, the creation of that product and what that product should look like. So we made a judgment call and we said, let's figure out if there's a way that we can continue growing the business without burning so much cash, which will then mean that if or when we do raise capital, we do it on our own terms. We do it when we want and at the price we want, as opposed to having to raise money because you need it because you're running out. Right. So once we had made that internal decision saying that ownership of the experience and ownership of the product is our biggest priority, we then said, okay, now we're going to say, how do we change the uh, economics of the business such that we keep growing it, but we retain control? Right. So 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 what kind of changes what kind of changes did you end up implementing um, to 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 enable to, to enable yourself to keep control? of the business the next time you went out and raised money? Uh, yeah, so a couple things. So um, the first thing that was most important to us was no matter what change we made, it had to be consistent with the interests of the members, right? So a lot of times I think businesses run into a problem where they try to fix their own position, but then it ends up hurting the members. Either they end up giving them less and charging more, or they end up, um, you know, uh, sort of cheating the members into not realizing what they're paying for or other sort of more sinister things like that. And I didn't want to, I never wanted to do that because ultimately we're trying to build a lifetime relationship with our members and we don't want to be tricking them out of any kind of money that they don't want to be spending otherwise. So that was a guiding philosophy that we used across all of our changes. So um, tactically what we did is we um, uh, shifted from uh, so we had an we had a monthly plan that was fifteen dollars a month, um, but what we did is we said, what if 
instead of charging monthly, since the since the world that we live in of wellness uh, and and journeys is often not accomplished in a month, right? If you want to lose weight, if you want to run faster, if you want to be stronger, none of those things are going to happen in one month, right? It's going to take you three, it six. It would be months. nice, but yes, <laughs> yeah, it would be right. great to have it in a week. <laughs> Uh, if the world doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, we realized that people were using it and they needed longer to achieve these goals. So we said, why don't we introduce a longer plan, but just make it cheaper? So we moved uh, to a $100 annual plan instead of $15 a month. And then in addition to that, and again, being aligned with our members, we added a 30-day trial to the annual plan, which is something that we didn't have before. So we made it a lot easier for people to sign up for longer term plans, which were more uh, in their interest, ultimately. Then another thing that we did is um, we started uh, uh, ensuring that our website experience was really strong, right? So obviously our classes are taken through our apps on iOS or Android, and the app is a great experience. We wanted to ensure that the website was a great experience also. So we started building up a lot of the website resources. And that also helped us. And then we did a couple of other sort of internal financing things, you know, working with banks, working with lenders, et cetera, things that don't affect the consumer one way or another, but they all help the business run a little bit better. So all those things combined resulted in, uh, you know, a dramatic improvement in our free cash flow. Right. So, so talk, talk a little bit more about in terms of your website. Um, what kind of what kind of approach did you guys take in terms of um, making the website, I guess, uh, more of a way to kind of drive people either to content or to get to learn more about your 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 service and and then obviously then convert them into you know customers. What kind yes. of strategies did you take you know surrounding that? Like, where where did you guys create a lot more? You know, uh, did you find a content strategy that you really focused on, or you know, what what did you do? Exactly. So uh, we the first thing we did is we considerably ramped up the amount of relevant relevant content that we were creating on our magazine, which is our blog. Um, so we uh, uh, internally determined and articulated our perspective on what health and wellness should look like, and then we worked uh, with you know some really expert expert authors, uh, you know doctors, nutritionists, trainers, etc to write content that was highly relevant um, to uh, our perspective on wellness. And it was interesting because, you know, the way that our product works is um, you have to pay to use it, right? So uh, we're like like Netflix, you have to pay to use it. Uh, we don't really offer a lot of content for, oh, basically any classes for free prior to paying for it. So what we said was, why don't we actually start creating really great articles and really great content and give that away for free, um, just so that people can learn more uh, prior to signing up for Active. Because you know whether you sign up for Active today because you saw an ad, or you sign up in six months because you read some of our articles and then some of your friends told you about us. I really don't care, frankly. I I would I mean if you come to us because you've already heard great things, that's even better for me, right? I don't want the first time that our members to hear about us to be when we uh, we ask them for their credit card, right? I would much right. rather prefer that they've uh, learned, that they've read, that they've experienced and heard about us. And then they say, yeah, I know this company. I'm happy to pay for their product. So so adding a lot of content was one of the things we did. Number two was um, 
we, uh, you know, as I said, introduced this annual plan, which is not something that we were offering with the 30 day trial. So people were a lot more encouraged to um, uh, uh, try the, the annual plan. And then the other thing is we did a much better job. We, we redid the whole website, but what we did as part of the, not just from like a UI perspective, we retold the story, right? It was really important for us to explain on our website, what is the active story and who are we, who are we uh, for? Who is going to benefit from us? And so by reframing the story in the context of the members, uh, um, we were able to tell uh, what we're doing a lot better. And all of that resulted in much better conversion on our website. Right. The first thing you see, actually, if you go to the Aptive website, is that you see the, 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 the top part of the page is literally a testimonial or a quote from one of the uh, Aptive members um, exactly. talking about uh, you know how they how they use the app essentially and, and how it benefits them. And then, and then the next thing you see is all the different publications that have written about us, right? So right. It, has, it has, ultimately, none of this is about us, right? No one cares about this company or me or anything like that. They care about the product. And our job is to deliver great product to as many people as possible. So we've always positioned it as how does it help you as opposed to like, you know, bragging about this amazing thing we've created. Because we could have created the most amazing thing in the world that we think is amazing, but if it doesn't help you, it's irrelevant. So we focus a lot on the members. Right. And obviously one of those things in terms of focusing on members is, I would imagine, is having, uh, you know, really good trainers who can, who can actually, uh, you know, conduct a class or, or, uh, what, or a session um, strictly through audio. Because sometimes I would, I would think, you know, uh, it, it could be difficult to do that. So yeah. how do you go about how do you go about finding these trainers that you work with to create your 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 audio classes? Great, excellent question. So the trainers are the most important part of the company, more important than me, more important than any, anyone else. And um, we do a lot of work, a lot of uh, really really rigorous vetting um, to find uh, and and train and work with the best trainers in the world and. You know, we're really fortunate um, that we've now been able to build the company to a point where, you know, we're truly working with the absolute best trainers that are out there. And so, you know, it's it's one of the things that we're um, that's uh, beneficial of the way that we've created the product and the business is that the trainers classes uh, can be listened to by millions of people at the same time. Right. So. What that means is we don't need to continually hire more and more trainers uh, as the company continues to grow, right? Similar to if you think of like musicians, right? Rihanna's music can be listened to by as many people as possible. There don't, you don't need to create more. Similarly, in our case, um, because it's digital, because it scales, because it's on demand, because it's on your time frame, it's delivered to your iPhone concurrently to everyone else's iPhone, um, we're able to work with only the absolute best trainers, right? Meanwhile, if you're a studio with multiple locations, as you add more locations, you need to add more trainers, which typically results in a sacrifice of quality. And we don't have to do that. So, right. um, you know, we work with, I mean, you know, folks like Megan Takis, um, uh, who's one of the, 
you know, arguably one of the best runners, uh, running coaches in the country. Um, uh, we, we've worked with, you know, she's, she's our, uh, our master instructor. Um, we work with really, really top caliber folks um, who create amazing, amazing classes. And to your point, you know, they're able to communicate a lot through just audio. And that's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. But um, when you're speaking to hundreds of thousands of people and, and what you're saying is going to be listened to millions and millions of times, um, there's a lot of training, a lot of uh, experience, um, a lot of coaching um, that goes into creating these classes. Right. So in the early days, though, like, you know, before before Active, you know, had hundreds of thousands of, of users and and when you were just getting these trainers on board early on, what kind of you know, what, what was the struggle on your end, if there, if any, you know, in terms of convincing them to create this, this, this class, uh, this audio, you know, workout session. And I, I guess in addition to that, you know, really, you know, how, how what have you guys learned al along the way? And how have you evolved the audio classes along the way? Um, you know, when, after learning, I'd imagine a bunch from creating the first, you know, several. Yeah, I mean, finding the first trainers, it's um, it was something that we spent a lot of time on. So to your point, our ability, you know, our brand name, our ability to recruit, et cetera, is very different uh, when we were first starting. But I didn't let that deter me because I knew immediately that whoever the first trainer was, uh, was going to have a huge impact on the trajectory of the company. So, you know, I would go to dozens of of classes, meet, I probably met over a hundred trainers personally, took all of their classes, took one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with them. Um, you know, I would meet them for coffee. I would interview them. I would learn about them. I would find the ones that I thought would be excellent. I'd bring them into, you know, <laughs> the, the first recording studio, which was, you know, in my apartment really, um, and have them record classes. Um, but it was it was crucial to find the right person uh, uh, in the beginning because we knew immediately that that first person would make a huge difference, and uh, uh, and the personality had to translate and the skill set et cetera all had to work. So it was you know it probably took longer just because we weren't as big at the time, but it didn't change the level of quality of person that we were looking for. And then the other thing that I think we did well and we still continue to do well is when i was starting a lot of people were telling me like oh you should go hire this celebrity trainer and that celebrity trainer and you know social media influencer and whatever and i didn't believe in that strategy for two reasons one is um i would much rather build and create a star rather than work with an existing one uh and number two is typically uh you know when you work with people who are really famous for whatever reason, um, A, they may not actually be the best trainer. They may just be great at sort of building their brand. And that's cool, right? That's fine if that's their thing. But that's not what I need. I don't need a big brand. I need someone who's a great trainer. And number two is from a growth perspective, they typically have like a short-term impact on growth, but they're not bringing in really high quality, long-term loyal members who are going to be with you for a long time. And that's what we were looking for someone who created such a great workout experience that it didn't matter if you had heard their name or not, you just really wanted to take their class over and over again. And so we still follow that mentality, even though we have the ability to bring in, you know, really famous people today if we wanted. 
going back to the the funding when it came to uh when it came when you were looking to raise money prior to changing your strategy um what kind of you know what what challenges did that pose with investors you know what were they telling you essentially that kind of made you um you know want to further look into changing your your growth strategy got it yeah so um we heard feedback from investors that uh the strategy of you know growth at all costs or high growth high burn um was not supported uh as strongly in the market as it was you know two to four years ago um and uh i think it was really good and really helpful feedback because it helped us realize that um, a, uh, you know, growing sustainably is more important than growing uh, quickly and burning a bunch of cash. And then second is, as I said before, um, if we kept burning more, we would just need to keep raising more, which meant giving up control of the business. And so right. we had an opportunity to pivot the business in such a way whereby we could continue to grow, uh, but not have to raise constantly. And so getting that feedback from the market about uh, pursuing more sustainable growth was actually really helpful. And I know, and I know that the, uh, let's say that I, I believe there were like, a, there was like three key objectives that you really followed and you, you had talked about these a little bit earlier. One was obviously to sell subscriptions, start selling them through the website, the other and get annual and get uh, customers into annual subscription plans instead of the monthly ones. And then the third was to figure out a way to get, uh, you had also alluded to this a little earlier, figure out a way to get the money you earned through the app store faster. Um, because, because um, you know, Apple and Google hold that money for X period, X days, 30 days or something uh, before you even see it. Um, when, you were, when you were making these changes, what, how did you prioritize out of those three key objectives, let's say, how did you prioritize you know, where you were, where you were focusing your time personally. Yeah. I mean, thankfully this all goes back to the team, right? So yeah. uh, the, the first part of it was uh, run through our, um, you know, uh, product and technology team. Uh, the second part of that was run through our marketing and revenue team. And then the third part of that was run through our finance team. So, I was overseeing everyone, but uh, you know, because we had the teams built out, and because the folks that uh, you know were leading these efforts had great capabilities, we were able to do all three concurrently. Right. I th and uh, do you think that the fact you were able to do them concurrently was, um, in part, you know, in part, uh, thanks to uh, you know, uh, a contributor to the success in terms of being able to turn um, the from one growth model to another uh, faster. I mean, because the fact that you were you have a team built out in place that, that you know was that was that uh, effective and helpful uh, clearly uh, for you. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent, right? Like, I I would argue we could have done it, uh, you know, much slower than we did, and we could have had more failures before getting to success. But since we had this great team built out. And we were able to do everything con concurrently. That's how we were able to do it so quickly. Mm -hmm. So having gone through this now and 
and and having run the company for a few years now, I'm building it from you know nothing. Um, is there anything you would change about your approach to date? And if so, you know what what would what would, what would that be? Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, you know. It's always a learning experience, right? There's, there's, there's so many things that um, I would do differently in hindsight, and I'm sure there's a lot of decisions that I will make from here going forward. Uh, that 24 months from now, I'll look back and say, I wish I had done that thing differently. But you know, I will say that getting to this point and continuing to grow the business, it's all a journey, right? So even the mistakes I made, in a way, you could argue that they were necessary to get to this point. So. Um, yes, in hindsight, I would have done, you know, a couple things differently. I would have maybe, you know, started with more web product earlier, or maybe we would have started with the annual plans earlier, things like that. But it was a learning experience for us to get to these places. And right. I'm really happy with where the company is today. I've, I've never been more excited about it than I am today. Um, and I, I'm very confident that even in the inevitable mistakes that we make going forward, Ultimately, they're going to take us on the right path. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I, I advise people all the time on you know try to avoid this pitfall, try to avoid that pitfall. But you're never going to be perfect, and um, if you can learn from a mistake and bounce back from it, that'll be the most important thing, as opposed to letting it sort of knock you down. Amen to that. I 100% I agree with you on that. Um, so, if you could sum it all up into I don't know a nice tidbit of advice before we get to the lightning round. What would you say, what, you know, what advice would you give to an aspiring or current entrepreneur who's building their own company right now? If you could just current market in the current market, um, whatever they're doing, any, any kind of tidbit that, you know, that they should know. Yeah. The most important thing I tell founders is there's no one specific path to building a company. I think that's the biggest mistake, um, or misperception that a lot of people have is they think like this one school for undergrad and then I need to go to this one incubator and then I need an article in TechCrunch and then I need to go raise from these two funds and if I don't do all those things, you know, oh my God, my company is never going to work out, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's yep. just flat out not true. If you look at the businesses that have been very successful, almost none of them followed that path. And if you look at the thousands of businesses that fail every year, many of them followed that path. And so I, and, and, and I, by the way, did not follow that path. And I'm not, I'm not saying we're some super successful business, but we're doing okay. And we certainly did not follow any specific path. So I would, I always encourage founders, don't worry about whether your story fits the mold or not. The best companies, the best founders are the ones that break the mold. So even if you're, I don't know, in your 50s and you want to start a business, great, go start a business. You don't have to be 25 years old to start a company. You didn't graduate from college, doesn't matter if you didn't go to Stanford, go start a business. You're not a technical founder, doesn't matter, go start a business. You don't know how to build a consumer product because you're not an engineer, doesn't matter, go start a business. There's so many different paths to success. And I, I often see founders get um, bogged down with the pressure of following a predetermined path that they read on some blog or whatever, that's really the wrong way to think about company building. So my my two cents that I always tell people is there's no path, whatever works for you will work. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, honestly. I am not a, a technical um, person, but I went out and I built a 
SaaS-based product um, with Kaya. Uh, In the end, it didn't work out the way I intended. Um, But I learned so much along the way that I, you know, and there's so much that I, that you can just learn, you know, um, by building your own company that you can, things that just, you would never, you know, skills you would never acquire otherwise um, that are super valuable that can benefit you down the road, whether that be at, at another company or whether that be starting a, a, a another venture on your own someday. Um, it, there's no one path to success. I 100% agree with you on that. So Ethan, I, I appreciate you taking the time before I let you go. I always have my guests do a lightning round at the very end. It's a couple of this or that type questions where you pick whichever one uh, you like better. It's very simple. I'll try not to throw you any curveballs. So whenever you're ready, let me know. Let's do it. All right. So music or movies? Music. iOS or Android? iOS. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. And finally, cardio or weights? Cardio. That was I easy. I had a feeling. I know. The, the, I, sometimes I get a little bit, I give some people a cur- couple curveballs, but decided to go a little bit easy on you today. Maybe next time I'll have to throw in a throw in a curveball for you. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ethan, I appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. If anyone wants to uh, find you online, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm just uh, uh, Ethan Agarwal. That's the best place to find me. Great. Well, thanks again, Ethan. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.